Well, if you'll stay standing into this attitude of worship, I would love to read our scripture this morning. They're going to put it on the screens for you. It's out of Mark chapter 6, verse 7, and it says this, Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. And these were his, his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, right, but not with socks but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Then they went out and preached the gospel, or preached that people should repent, and they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I'd love to preach from the title before you take a seat. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Come on, find two people. I should sit down and tell them I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Hey, good morning online. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Facebook. Come on, type in the chat. I wasn't ready. Well, man, I'm excited to preach God's word today. Uh, I know he has a message for you. And uh, how many of you guys are excited for summer? You excited for summer? I'm pumped for summer. I'm so, so glad it's summer. It's going to be good. We've got uh, really some incredible weeks coming up for you over the next four weeks. Um, uh, on Father's Day, I don't know if you've ever heard of evangelist Reggie Dabbs. He's going to be bringing the word. And so we've got some great speakers lined up, a great summer full of excitement. And I know God's going to be speaking to us through them. Uh, but today we're going to kick off our summer at Victory City today. And, uh, you know, today we've, uh, we've already water baptized five people, which is incredible. So that puts us at 31 people being water baptized. And, man, listen, let me tell you something. It's amazing. And if, if you've never been water baptized or, or baptized in water and you've never taken that step, man, it's an incredible step of faith. And, and maybe you didn't come ready today. We've got everything for you, and we would love to help you do that. But, but I'm excited to preach this message. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I remember becoming a dad for the first time and feeling that very thought. I, I, I'm not ready for this. You know, I, I went to the classes and I'd done all the things and I thought, okay, which the classes scared me more than the actual having the kid. You saw the videos and they tell you all the horror stories and you're like, oh my goodness, is that going to happen to my situation? Um, but, you know, I'm not ready. And then you, you bring this little life home and you're like, oh, I've got to provide, I've got to keep them alive, and I've got to make sure they don't turn out bad. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, and, you know, every cry was like, oh, do we need to, what, what do we need to do? Do we need to take to the hospital? Or, you know, you call the doctor, you're freaking out. I used to make people come over to my house. I make them, made them hand sanitize to their elbows, and then, and then wash your hands to wash the hand sanitizer off, because uh, I wanted you double clean, you know. I wasn't ready. I, I didn't know what it took to be a dad. Uh, I can remember the first time I took a job, my first ministry job, I was a youth pastor. I was 22 years old, and I was so pumped. I'd gone to Bible college. I was ready to reach teenagers for Jesus. Uh, but there was still that feeling of going, like, am I really ready for this? Like, am I really ready to shape these young souls for Jesus? And all I had was, like, one message, right? Like, love Jesus and don't do drugs, right? You know, like, can I really do this? Can anybody ever feel that way? Like, can I, can I really do this? Um, I remember the first time I bought a house, 
I was like, okay, can, can we really afford this? Can, I mean, there's like the down payment, and then there's the utilities, then there's all the hidden costs, and then like when something happens, you don't call the landlord, you look in the mirror, you know, you're like, what a, how, do I, how am I going to do this? And then there's that closing cost thing. That was the first time I was like, wait, I got to pay you money to pay you money? Like, I don't under, like, why, why all that? I didn't know closing costs was so much money. I wasn't ready. You know, but here I am today. I've got four kids, and they're still all alive and healthy. And whether they're still going to they're going to grow up to be a minister society, well, that's still out. <laughs> the verdict's still out on that. But I think they're really great kids. Um, you know, I'm still pastoring. Praise God. You know, I'm still here building God's church. You know, and uh, so okay, cool. God, thank you for being faithful in that. I've got more than one message. Maybe some of you would disagree, but you know, I've got I, I can I can preach more than just what I preach to 12-year-olds, and, and you know, I, my, I still got a house. I bought and sold a few, so okay, I, can, I know how to do that. I, I guess I was more ready than I thought I was. I was more ready than I thought I was. But you know, like, but how do you actually know when you're ready, like in life? How do you actually know, like, okay, I, I'm ready to take on this test? Is it when you graduate from school, when you graduate college, anybody ever, when you, when you graduated college, you felt 100% ready. You were like, I am ready to take on the world. Maybe your hubris did, but then silently you were like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, like is it, are you ready when you're fully trained? Like when you go to a job and, and you shadow somebody for two or three weeks and then they're like, all right, you're ready to go. And you're like, wait, no, I'm, I'm actually not. Can you, can you stay with me? Um, it's kind of like life can feel like a board game, can it? Like you can go over the instructions, but then you're like, hey, let's just play it. Let me, let's just figure, I'll figure it out. Anybody ever feel that way? I'm just going to figure it out. Let's just jump in it. But is, is, ready, um, is ready a moment where you know you can't fail, right? Like I'm ready when I know I can't fail or, or I'm ready when, when I'm comfortable with the information. I think some of us were ready when it's convenient, right? Until it's convenient, I'm not ready to step out and do it. Um, you know, sometimes we think, well, I, I'm ready to start a family when I hit a certain amount of money. Everybody had that conversation with your, with your girlfriend, boyfriend, and, you know, like, well, I, I just want to be financially stable. What's financially stable? How, put a number on it. How much, you know? Hey, we'll get married when, like, when, when we're financial. Well, what is that? Can you, can you define that for me? I wonder how many times we tell God, listen, God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not quite ready to, to do that just yet. I, I, I'm not ready to, to go there. I'm not ready to start that. I'm, I'm not ready to, to listen to your call. How do, how do we feel when, when God calls us into certain situations and we go, I, I'm, not quite, I'm not ready for that yet, God. Like, I need, I need to take some more. Is that because of our training? Is that because maybe we feel like we don't know enough scriptures or, or we haven't been in the church long enough or, 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 or maybe we, we haven't been, been adequately set up for success, right? Or is, it, or is it when God calls us and we go, I don't know that I'm ready. Is it because uh, it's not quite convenient in our schedule? Come on, anybody use that excuse? Well, God, listen, I just got a lot of things going on in my life. I got certain situations. I got certain obligations. I got certain things I got to get to. And, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. Anybody ever been there? Come on, 1030. Are you, you with me here? I think many times being ready has less to do with me being prepared and more to me, more to do with me not wanting to feel uncomfortable. Like we don't like feeling uncomfortable. We don't like being pushed beyond our comfort zones of being uh, unsure. And I think a lot of times people say they're not ready and the biggest thing is they don't want to fail, which is understandable. 
I, I don't want to fail. I don't want to step out and then fall flat on my face and then look silly in front of my church and my family and my coworkers. You know, nobody loves to fail, but sometimes failure is really an essential ingredient to the process. Like how many, of, how many of you have failed at your marriage and you've had to ask for forgiveness and now your marriage is stronger? Anybody? Come on, that's point number one. Okay, can you do that? To just take that, apply it, you'll be good. All the men in the house are like, no, I've never done that. <laughs> well, I wish you would. I wasn't ready. Here's the deal. <laughs> I wasn't ready. You see, failure's part of it, isn't it? Failure, the risk of making a mistake, the risk of Stepping out into the unknown, the risk of stepping out into what we're uncomfortable with is really a journey of faith. Because I find that God never calls us when it's convenient. <laughs> like God, God's calling on our life always feels like an interruption. Like we're headed in one direction. We have our life fully booked, fully scheduled. We have all of our energy and activity and identity in another place. And then God begins to call and we go, well, hang on, God. Like, God never calls us into comfort, does he? <laughs> like, every time God calls, it always feels uncomfortable. God, why are you doing that to me? God, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I'm not ready to go back in person yet. I'm not ready to, like, meet people yet. I'm not ready to tell people about Jesus. I'm not ready to give yet. I'm not ready to go to a connect group. I'm not ready to serve. Come on, Kevin, how many things do I have to list till you get? You're like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Then, yeah, how does he know my business? I, it's Holy Spirit, baby. <laughs> I find that God calls us oftentimes before we ever think we're ready. I mean, let's just look at this passage. Jesus calls his 12 disciples, and if you read scripture at all, the disciples are a bunch of knuckleheads. Like, they make mistakes. They don't believe. They're afraid all the time, right? Like, Peter does not even recognize Jesus as the Messiah till two chapters after Mark chapter 6, right? So, like, their faith is weak, but yet Jesus calls them and go, hey, can y'all partner up, and can you go to the villages, and can you cast out evil spirits? Like, Jesus, man, like, why you got to start with such a heavy thing? Like, can I just, like... Can I just serve at the soup kitchen, Jesus? Like, I'm not ready to mess with demons, Jesus. Come on, how many of you guys? You're like, today, go to H-E-B and cast out every demon you see. You're like, nope, not signing up, not ready. I wasn't ready. I'm not ready for that. Sweetie, we need to search for another church. We got we to find another place. This pastor's crazy. But Jesus gives unprepared men huge responsibility. Why does Jesus do that? They were ready. Like, if you saw them... You would go, Jesus, you made a mistake on them. Like, they're not ready. They need to spend some more time with you, Jesus. They need to know more script. Their faith needs to get better. Jesus, they're afraid. All the Jesus, you sent Judas? Judas, you know what Judas is going to do. Like, Jesus knew. Now, that's some deep stuff. Jesus sent Judas. Yeah, Judas, I know you're going to stab me in the back, but go proclaim my gospel. Whoa. Which makes me think that sometimes Jesus calls people into his ministry when people feel unready. God, I, I don't know that I can do that yet. Like, I wonder if we need to begin to reevaluate who churches use in ministry. Because sometimes we set the bar so high, Jesus would be like, my disciples don't even meet that. 
Now, is that an excuse to behave however we want? Of course not. You can't ball out on Saturday and come to minister on Sunday, right? I mean, come on. But it does make me think. When God puts people into action before they were ready, I think this. I think I'm ready when God says I'm ready. Let me say that again for the people in the back. I believe I'm ready when God says I'm ready. Because if I wait till I say I'm ready, how long y'all going to be waiting? And some of us have spent decades in the church waiting till we're, air quotes, ready. I mean, these disciples, they struggled to believe in him. They were constantly afraid. They were constantly terrified, even in Jesus' presence. They didn't know Jesus' true power. In fact, when Jesus was arrested, they all fled. Judas was a part of them, and Peter was a part of them. But yet, Jesus says, hey, I want you to go out into the community. I want you to cast out evil spirits. I want you to proclaim the good news of Jesus, and I want you to heal the sick. What? I'm not ready. And then it's funny when Jesus is like, hey, will you join a dream team? No, I'm not ready for that. Come on, tap your neighbor. Be like, he's talking to you. Which makes me think, did Jesus lack judgment? Did Jesus lack understanding? Did Jesus lack wisdom? Or did Jesus know that he is the strongest, most perfect, most pure thing in the universe and nothing can corrupt him? Not even bad representatives. Y'all think about that for a second? Like, I'm going to mess with some people here in a minute. Y'all are going to be like, hold up, Pastor Eric, where are you going with this? You see, I believe this, that Jesus is the strongest, most powerful being on the face of the earth. And here's the deal. We got too many Christians waiting to be perfect before they're ever productive. But Jesus can use imperfect people. Paul even understood this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that surpassing power belongs to who? God, not us. So can I tell you that you can be filled with a perfect God even when you're not perfect? And can I tell you that the power of God can flow through your life even when you say it with me, weren't ready? There's moments where when God calls us into his service, when God calls us to go into the community, to go into the world, we all look at God and go, I'm not ready for that, God. I don't know that I can do that, God. But yet God is going, I am, and I'm ready to equip you. I'm ready to empower you. I'm ready to flow through you. I'm ready to use your life for my glory. And can I tell you, he can use earthen vessels. He can use imperfect people. Now, Paul would say, does that mean that we can continue sinning? Of course not. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And grace is not just to cover our sins. Grace is the ability to overcome our sins. So it's not about, like, I can act how I want to. Because some of y'all would be like, Jesus will use me. I can just sin all I want to. Like, I can go, girl. Like, Jesus can use imperfect people. So I'm going to be the best at being an imperfect person. Come on, right? You're like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think there's more people in the category that feel unready, and therefore they become unused. See, I don't think people want to take advantage of grace. 
Because I think when you experience grace, you experience grace in all of its beauty and how you feel so unworthy. God, you would give me grace. Man, I don't want to touch sin again. Your grace is so beautiful. Your word is so amazing. But I have this thought. I wonder how many of us are worried about becoming perfect. That they never become productive. They never move. They never go into the villages. They're never sent by Jesus. You see, there's this tension as a pastor that I'd love to kind of give you some insight in. There's this tension between ministering to the church and mobilizing the church. And it's something that I feel, and maybe, maybe it's just me being still a young preacher, this idea that there's, it's an either-or situation. Like, I have to minister to people who are hurting, who need encouragement, who needs instructions, and, and you want to spend some time. In fact, that's what we've been doing over the past few weeks as, as long live the king, just trying to minister to you that you have a king in your life that rules over every situation, every problem, and has all the power and authority to encourage you. But then there's this moment of going, well, when do we mobilize? Because the church is described as a hospital and an army. So, so how do I balance the two, God, between being a hospital for the sick but being an army for the kingdom of God? And I wonder how much potential the church is missing out because we tell God, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. I, I don't think I've been trained enough. I don't think I'm ready enough. It's too uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. I'm, I'm afraid of failure. And so what ends up happening is the church becomes all about ministry without becoming about mobilization which is great until you measure the statistics of our city. And we'll have about 550 people here this Sunday, and there's a few hundred thousand out there, which means that the church at some point has to be mobilized. At some point as a church, we have to rally and go, this is what we are about. I wonder what the church would be able to do if everybody gave. They ain't talking to me. So let me just give you some insider information. Can I do that? On an average weekend, 141 contributions are made. 141. Our average weekend attendance is 500. You see, if I do the math. Anybody got a calculator? Get your iPhone out, right? I wonder what we could do. On an average weekend, 100 people it takes to serve this weekend to pull a weekend off. Let's see, if there's 100 people, and then if you do the five, okay. You see what I'm trying to show you? Is that oftentimes, maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's insecurity. I think we all have our reasons why we tell God, I'm not, I'm not ready. It's almost like God built in the church a souped-up, supercharged V8 engine. You ever heard a good V8 engine? I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of electric cars. I like the V8 engine. Y'all ever heard of V8 engine? Like it just sounds like gravel. <laughs> like it's beautiful. Come on, all my, all my health, all my earth people, I know you're like, no. <laughs> like I like a good Mustang sound. Like if that could be my ringtone, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I just feel like every time I hear a V8 engine, my hair grows more, or my chest grows more hair. It's amazing. <laughs> Y'all are like, that's way too much TMI. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
But I feel like this church, the God, God's church is this, is this amazing V8 engine, and all we're running on is two cylinders. And so when we try to, like, mash the gas pedal, it's like a Civic. <laughs> or like the electric vehicle. I've never had somebody get emotional over uh, an electric vehicle, but you see some men start to cry over a good V8 engine. They're like, dear Lord, that's my worship music, right? You know, like, I'll worship to that. So what I want to try to do is, is show you how ministry and mobilization really are two and the same. Because sometimes the best ministry happens when we become mobilized. Let me show you. You might not understand it, right? When we all gather, when we all lean in, when we all serve, when we all sacrifice, when we all give. Now, here's the deal. You may not like a church who asks you to do something, right? You may not like that. Here's the deal. If you don't like a church that asks you to do something, we're probably not the church for you. Because here's the deal. We preach scripture and scripture. God is always calling people into his service. Right? Can I get a real good amen on that one? Right? Like, right? Hold up. And here's 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 here kind of kind of came to this. Uh, if you know the intimate details of my personal life, um, which you probably don't, that's okay. I'm going to give you some insight. My car's been broke down for like three weeks, four weeks. My wife reminded me, four weeks. Because I can't get the parts because, like, the global supply chain. How many of you guys have heard that, right? Like, microchips are all delayed, all the things. And so it's whatever. And I, I've been having to hitch a ride to work with my mother-in-law. It's amazing. I love it so much. You talk about a humbling situation, right? You got your backpack on. You're sitting on the porch. You're like, hey, Mom. You know, get back. You know, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. I know y'all just lost all kinds of respect for me. That's okay. I'm a grown man. Here's the deal. But, but, but in the situation, here's what my mechanic told me. He said, I fixed it to a certain point. Right? When it, was, when it was in the garage floor. But then I got to drive it because when I start driving it, I listen for other things. He was telling me I can only fix it to a certain degree because then I got to drive it and I got to feel it and I got to listen to it because when I get moving, it gives me indication of what else is broken. And some of us, that would tell me that God, in his majesty, in his wisdom, in his supernatural understanding, knows this, that he can only fix you to a certain point on the garage floor, but you got to get moving. you got to start stepping out in faith. i got to start walking this thing out because there's some knocks, right? There's some squeaks. There's some noises that only when I get in motion does God begin to listen. He goes, oh, you don't trust me there. Let's work on that. Oh, we got to work on some, some patience, right? Because you're kind of impatient with people. You can be patient in the garage all day long. When you get in traffic, you can't, right? Like getting in moving, right? So the church has to begin to move. Come on, touch your neighbor, tell them you got to start moving. You got to start moving. You see, it's in motion that God moves in and through my life. I start moving. Come on, you do this, you feel real good while you're sitting in the Lazy Boy, but you start to take a jog, you're like, oh my goodness, everything hurts. <laughs> I'm going back to sit down, and some of us, hey, no, I'm not trying to be mean. Some of us, we live our Christian life that way. Disciples could have easily been, Jesus, do another miracle for us. Jesus, I don't want to go to the village just yet. Can, can you walk on water again? That was really cool. Jesus, can you give me goosebumps again? Jesus, can you just speak to me again? Jesus, can you give me a big hug again? 
And Jesus is like, yes, hug, go. Go. Can I tell you something? That Jesus, if Jesus would leave 99 sheep for one, who did he prioritize? Sometimes I wonder, is Jesus here or is Jesus out there? Is Jesus in the streets of our city this morning? Going, do you know me? Where's my disciples that'll go to you? I wonder if Jesus is in your office. I wonder if Jesus is in your school. I wonder if Jesus is in your apartment block going, will you please tell people about me? Will you please proclaim the gospel to people? Will you serve? Will you give? Will you lean in? Will you get in motion? So I've got three declarations for you today if you feel not ready. I'm not ready. Because here's the deal. We all feel it at some point. God, I'm not ready for that. So I've got three declarations and every point I want you to say them. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them, integrate them to your life if you're really serious about it. And the first one is this. I'm ready to trust. So let's practice, right? Because you weren't ready for that. I'm ready to trust. One, two, three. I'm ready to trust. Thank you. To trust. You see, God calls us out and he says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 8. He charged them to take nothing. Nothing for their journey except a staff, no brad, bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals without socks and not put on two tunics. So, so Jesus sends them on a journey and says, don't take anything. Don't, don't take anything. Jesus, what are you, why are you doing that? Like, I want to eat lunch. Yeah, trust me. Just start walking out in faith. And I think a lot of us, we think before we step out in the journey of faith, before we step out beginning to obey God, like a lot of times we'll go, Jesus, I can't give. I don't have, step out. Jesus, I can't serve. I don't have the time. Step out. Jesus, I can't tell people about Jesus. I don't know what to say. Step out. And a lot of times when Jesus calls us, we want to go pack. We want to, how many of you guys are married to somebody who packs way late for a trip and overpacks? Anybody have an overpacker in your life? Does anybody, I am a massive underpacker, right? Like I'm, I've got like four shirts and a, and, and a pair of shorts and I just make it, do I wash it, wash it in the sink of the hotel. That's super gross. Y'all are like, that's nasty, right? Oh, okay, here's the deal. Some of us, we try to overpack for a journey. Why? Because we only trust the things we pack. We trust our education, not Christ's. We trust our ability. We trust our resources. We trust our calendar as if Jesus is so perplexed by your calendar. <laughs> Jesus, I don't have time. Oh, really? The calendar that you control? Have you ever noticed that God has a way of stripping things away in order to get our attention? By so many of us, we found God at our proverbial rock bottom. Everything else was gone, and so we tried Jesus. And what's beautiful about Jesus, he welcomes people in like that. Have you ever noticed you found your purpose after all the doors were slammed in your face? Maybe this is my career. Poof. Well, maybe this one. Poof. Maybe this one. Nope. Until you thought, God, is this it? And it took God shutting all the doors in order for you to find the purpose in your life. Maybe that happened relationally. You chased him and him and him, and God shut all the doors until you found him. But it took shutting three, four, five, six doors. God has a way of stripping things away in order for us to trust him, not the things. 
You see, when Jesus send us, sends us, I wonder why he tells us, listen, just go and obey and I'll supply the rest. I think this, that many of us, we say Jesus is a provider, but we've never trusted him as the provider. Meaning, we've never been in a situation where God calls us out where we were not ready. We always tell God, God, I got to pack. And God calls us into a space where I, I know you don't have the words to say. I know you don't know how to, but trust me. Lean into me. I know you. this is new for you, but trust me. How many of you guys, uh, after a birthday party in your house, you keep cake laying around? I do this all the time. One of my kids has a birthday party, and I got a half-eaten cake. How many of you guys know that half-eaten cake becomes breakfast, lunch, dinner, your midnight snack? When you get up and go to the restroom, you're like, I want to have a few pieces of cake. <laughs> and if you're like my family, one of us will say, we need to throw that away. We can't keep having that. Anybody ever do that? Who's the, who's the sensible one in your home? Like, we need to throw that away. And my thing is, is I don't stop eating it until somebody throws it away. Till it's gone. You know, you do this. You're like, man, like as long as it's there. And you rationalize, well, like I'm, I'm, it costs 30 bucks from Costco. I don't know they want to do that. Kids may eat it. You do it. We all do it. Got some cookies. After Christmas party, we just need to throw it away. After Halloween, how many of you do this with your kids? You throw away three-fourths of the candy. You're like, can't do this because I find myself going through the pantry. And then six Reese's Cups later. You might, because you know you can't just have one. And then when, the, then when your wife or your husband comes out and they see it in the trash, they go, why would you do that? Because I knew you'd keep eating it if I didn't throw it away. I wasn't ready for you to throw it away. Sometimes we got some cake in our life. And God's going, I got to throw that away. Because you're going to keep going there. And you're not going to step out and trust me until I throw that away. Until, until we get rid of that crutch in your life. Until you keep going back to that excuse in your life. Until you keep going back to that insecurity in your life. Until you step out, get in motion. Can I tell you, God can move in your life when you begin to trust him. When you begin to trust the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to move through your life. And even when you feel not ready, can I tell you that God is calling you because you're ready when God says you're ready. When God says you're ready. The second declaration I want you to say for this is, and this is a fun one, this is a big one, I'm ready for trials. Ready, one, two, three? Because trials are coming. Like, anybody ever notice that life is not like a Disney movie? Where you have 30 minutes of tension and then it's all resolved? It says this, if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony. So Jesus is already setting their expectations. He's saying, listen, you're going to meet opposition. You're going to meet people who don't want to listen to you. You're going to meet people who roll their eyes at you. You're going to meet people that are hateful towards you. You're going to meet people who want nothing to do with what you have to bring them. Be ready for it. It's like, it's like people quit telling people about Jesus because the one person they told them about go, oh, I don't believe in that. And they're like, oh, I crumble. Oh. Can't ever, I'm such a failure. Jesus says, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. Just to provide you some context, 
this idea of shaking the dust off was not just something that Jesus taught on. In fact, all of his disciples would immediately recognize it because it was Jewish custom any time you were traveling from Gentile areas into Jewish areas that before you left the Gentile area into the Jewish area, it would be a symbolic shaking of that territory as to not contaminate the Jewish area. So anytime they were traveling outside of Israel, what they would do is they would leave a Gentile area and before they crossed that line, they would shake it off. As meaning, I'm not bringing those patterns, I'm not bringing those ideas, I'm not bringing the way they did life into this territory. Kind of like when people move from California into Texas, just shake all the California off and then come into Texas, right? It's a holy land, baby, right? So, and we welcome you, we're so glad you're here. I'm married in Oki, trust me, right? Like, it's like this is the promised land. I always tell people it's the greatest country in America, right? So here's the deal. But, but I wonder how many of us, the, we collect the dust of discouragement. We fail once and we think, man, I see, I told you God, I wasn't ready. See, we, we, we let a connect group and only like two people showed up. I'm never doing this again. Shake it off. And we collect this dust of discouragement that weighs on us. And Jesus is going, it's going to happen. Trust me. Keep going. Shake the dust off. And don't allow the dust of discouragement to attach yourself. And some of you, you, you you've stepped into seasons of your life and you feel discouraged. You feel discouraged as a parent right now. Maybe you're young parents and you're going, man, I, I don't know how to do this and I don't know wh which way to go and, and you're starting to feel like, I can't do this. Can I tell you, shake off the dust of discouragement. God's called you to it. God's gifted you with a child. He's put it in you to be able to do it. Some of you stepped into a career right now that, and, and, and maybe you're struggling. Maybe you can't figure your way out. Can I tell you, shake off the dust of discouragement. If God gave you that job, he's going to equip you. He's going to empower you. He's going to set you up to be able to do it. So often we collect the dust of discouragement, which does this. It stops the spirit of God flowing through our li your life. Come on, how many of you guys ever forgot to check an air filter in your home? You pull the air filter out and you're like, this was in my house? No wonder why my AC wasn't working good. But I wonder if we were to reach into our soul and pull out the air filter of our soul and look in and go, this was in my spirit? No wonder I haven't been able to step into my calling. I got all kinds of discouragement and oftentimes we are the ones that spread the most dust in our own life. I can't do this. Told you, God, I was a failure. Told you, God, I couldn't do it. Told you, God, I can't step out. I told you, God, and we collect the dust. So how do you shake dust off? Okay, Pastor Eric, how do you, how do, you do it? Here's the deal. You know what I find is the thing that collects the most dust is the thing that sits still. You know that corner Bible in your, your house? You go swipe it, and you're like, ooh. Well, I read you version, Pastor Eric. I read my iPhone. Haven't you ever noticed that? The things that sit still in our life, in our house, those things collect the most dust. And so often the enemy just wants to get you to stop. Call a time, sit on the bench, quit going again. 
The enemy wants you to stop telling people about Jesus. Stop serving. Stop giving. Stop going to church. Come on, somebody. Y'all know it was a struggle coming out of quarantine to get yourself back into church because you enjoyed coffee and waffles. <laughs> For like a hot minute, you were like, I can do this thing. Like, I got Jesus on the screen. I got my pajamas on my body. I'm good. Come on, how many in quarantine, you were like, I'm going to binge the Bible, and you only binge Stranger Things on Netflix. You were like. <laughs> but that's what the enemy wants, to get you to stop. Because he knows that if you stop, you start collecting dust. Man, today, come on, somebody. Like, shake your neighbor's dust off, right? Like, like shake a little bit if you can do it. See, hey, we're shaking the dust off. We're a church mobilized. We're a church reaching people. Because here's the deal. We're going to three services in July, and just going to three services doesn't make people show up. We're a church mobilized. That's why I love meeting people in the lobby. I love it all. I met some, some first-time guests today, and they're like, yeah, uh, uh, Austin and Daniela had invited them. They're on our greeter team. They're like, yeah, they're our friends. We invite them. And I love it. I love meeting people like that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And you know what? I usually tell the people who invite them, thank you for inviting. Thank you for doing that. Here's the deal. Can I give you a little pro tip? Can I do that? When you invite people to church, don't invite them to an event. This is not an event. This is an experience where people experience Jesus and the love of Jesus like never before. And I know you can roll your eyes and be like, no, it's a church service. No, it's not. Ask the people that were baptized this morning. When they met Jesus in this service, they can't explain it. There's no reason to it. But they were in the seats that you're sitting in, and literally the love of Jesus begins to wash over them like never before. This is not an event that you show up at a ticket. This is an experience where you truly meet with the love of Jesus. So here's how this practically works. When I invite people, I don't go, yeah, you should come to my church. I go, hey, I would love for you to experience the love of Jesus at my church. I would love for you. What are you talking about? Yeah, just, you have to try it. Trust me. Third song will get you hooked, I promise you. <laughs> You're my champion. Final declaration, and we're done. Is I'm ready for a testimony. Come on, say it with me. I'm ready for a testimony. Can I say there's something significant in your life when you be able to, you're able to give a testimony of God moving through you? I want this for my whole church. I really do. I want this for every person. This isn't just what pastors do. This is what the church does. I want you to pray over sick people and see them healed. I want you to reach out to lost people and see them come to Jesus. Can I tell you that nothing will fulfill you like being used by Jesus? It's the moment where you become awake to your true purpose and identity on this earth. Come on, church. We're not just a hospital. We're an army fighting for the freedom of people's souls. Mark chapter 6, it says this. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Repent. Listen, a lot of people have messed up repent. Repent means this. Stop heading that way. Turn and go another way. There's a lot of people heading for a cliff. And we wouldn't call it unloving to let them, we would call it unloving to let them walk off that cliff. There's a lot of people headed for cliffs. When we say repent, what we're saying is, no, no, don't go there. There's destruction. Turn around and come this way. It says this. That's what the disciples did. This is their testimony. And they cast out demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick and healed them. And you read that and you go, I can't do that. I read that and go, there's many people who are afflicted. And that's the thing is that sometimes we read that selfishly. I can't when really we should be reading it missionally. 
If they went, that means that there's so many people in our world affected by darkness and they're hurting and need healing and we have the answer. But Jesus, I'm not ready. I know, but I am and I'm with you. Jesus, I can't, I know, but I can and I'm with you. Jesus, I don't have the words, I know, but I do and I'm with you. Jesus, I can't send anybody free. I definitely know that. But I can, and I'm with you. Come on, do I have any people who carry the love and life and spirit of Jesus in their soul? Come on, is there somebody in this church with an amen? I carry Jesus with me. I carry the spirit of God with me. So I want to show you at the end. Jesus has died and gone to heaven, and in Acts chapter 3, you see Peter and John, two by two. They head into Jerusalem and they're heading to the temple and there's a man who is broken, needing healing and he cries out, hey, can I have some alms? Can I have a handout? Can I have some money? And Peter and John go, well, listen, Jesus told us not to take any money. So silver and gold I do not have. But I come in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Come on, church, can I tell you, there's a testimony for you. It's not just a testimony for me. It's a testimony for each and every one of us. So I wonder today, can I preach to you and declare to you I'm not ready, but he is. Is there anybody in the house that says, I know I'm not ready, but he is. God, you can use me. You can send me. I'm ready to be obedient. Is there anybody? Is there anybody 1030? Maybe today you're not ready for salvation. You're not ready to surrender your life. You're not ready to fully come to Jesus. Can I tell you that there's a moment of faith where you're never really ready? It's a faith step. That's why our mission is to help every person take a step. And today, I want to invite you, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you've been telling yourself, I'm not ready for this, I don't know. Can I tell you, God is. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to put his arms around you. In fact, in Corinthians, Paul says this, today is the day of salvation. Salvation has come to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want, I want to invite you today. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you would say, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. I don't think I can do this with your online in the room. I want to invite you to boldly, to proclaim, to declare that today is the day salvation comes to your life. And with every head bowed on the, on the count, every, every head bowed and every eye closed, on the count of three, will you put your hands up if that's you? One, two, three. If that's you, just put your hands up in the air. Yeah, I see you on the left. Praise God. I see you in the middle. Praise God. Is there anybody else? I see you, buddy. Is there anybody else in Jesus' name? Come on online. I want you to be able to do the same thing. Hands going up. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I see you. Once you put your hands up, you can put it back down. I see you in the back. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Will you stand with me today? If you raise your hand, I want you to simply pray this prayer with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and just say, 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 Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Redeem my life. Heal my hurts. And free me from bondage. Help me to follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.